want us to read together in the same place of worship that we've been in, if I can make it through it, Romans 8, 1 through 9, as we begin to talk about life in the Spirit. And I'm going to start reading the passage. Some of you might have picked up a handout when you got in. We're in Romans 8, 1 through 9. And you may be able to see it on your handout or in your Bible a little bit easier than here, but stay in that same place of worship that this is the God who is the way maker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness, who is yes and amen. That is this God that we are about to read about. And this God has done great works for us because this passage proclaims, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. Praise God. (laughs) I don't know how many of you remembered last week um, during worship, Brad read Psalm 65 to us. And two or three weeks ago, in a staff meeting, he landed on that psalm and read it, and I haven't mentioned this to him, but ever since then, I have been drawn to that psalm again and again and again. And I pulled it out again this morning to read it, and I just wanted to pray the first verses over you, because this is what is happening in this passage. So I'm just going to pray the first verses of Psalm 65 for us. Praise awaits you, O God, in our hearts and in our lives and in our Lord's community church. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. O God, you who hear prayer, you who hear us when we pray, you who are with us and hear us, to you all people will come and we will come with them. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave us our transgressions. Blessed are those that you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Would you draw us near to your courts and to your holy house today, you who hear our prayers. We were overwhelmed in our sins and you forgave us our transgressions. And we are blessed and happy people in you, our way maker, our promise keeper, the light in our darkness. Amen. Well, we are going into Romans 8 for the next five weeks because this is positioning us for where we feel like we need to go as a church. 
We have talked about the practices, reading scripture, about prayer. We spent some weeks talking about what it was like to become a vineyard, but we cannot do this without God. If we don't have life in the Spirit, which is what chapter 8 of Romans is all about, we can't go anywhere. So this is the fuel that takes us on the pathway that God is taking us on. And we're going to open ourselves up to it as we get into it. And the passage does start, if we can go with the verses 1 and 2 there with the passage of how it starts. It starts with this amazing proclamation that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, whenever you see the words therefore, some old Bible teacher told me at one point, and you've heard this too, when you see a therefore, you need to see what it is therefore. Yes, you've heard it too. So we're going to see what the therefore is therefore, but it's more than just a therefore. There's a therefore now, which means there was a past and now there is a now. So those two words are going to speak into where God is taking us, therefore now. So where were we before? Well, if we had heard this like the original listeners of Romans would have heard this, we would have known where we were. Um, What happened with this, this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, literally the city of Rome. There were Jews and Greeks together in that church, and a woman named Phoebe, who was a deacon in a church in Greece, got on a ship and hand-carried this letter that Paul had dictated to a guy named Tertius, and she hand-carried it to this group of believers in the city of Rome. In the age before photocopiers and before you had a printing press, to hear something like this, you had to get together and hear it in person. So just imagine yourself in Rome on a hot August day, and the believers you know and love are crowded together in a room, and somebody is reading Romans to them. Now, I wanted to tell you about that. You might be going, what does it matter for this passage, who carried it, who wrote it, where it went to, and who listened to it? I want you to hear that because it came from a God through Paul written down by a guy, carried by Phoebe, to an actual congregation where God is saying, I am revealing myself to genuine people that I know and love, and I know their names. And we know some of the names of the people that were sitting in that room in Rome that day. Priscilla and Aquila were there. Andronicus and Junia, two people who had been in prison with the Apostle Paul, were sitting there. Rufus and his mom were there. And... (laughs) Rufus's mom is someone of whom the Apostle Paul said, she was a mother to me too. These are genuine people, so I'm asking God for the genuine people here hearing it now that he would open our hearts to this, and we would get the beating heart of this passage. If we'd been there that day, we would have heard Paul start in chapter 1 by talking about God revealing himself to humanity. And he says that who God is and what he's like has been plain to people since the beginning of creation. But what happened? People turned away from God to worship and serve things that weren't God. And because of that, their minds went dark. And God gave them over to darkness. The description of them is sobering because it could read like the headlines today. These people became futile in their thinking I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about this in terms of you're the light in the darkness. Here's the description of the darkness that God is the light in. 
They became futile in their thinking. This is chapter one. And their senseless minds were darkened. God gave them up to a debased mind to do things that ought not to be done. They were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, craftiness. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, rebellious toward parents, foolish, faceless, heartless, ruthless. And this is the light into which the waymaker comes. And he says, I am rescuing you from all of this. Those deeds and those actions, yes, there is a righteous judgment of the law that would say, for the wages of sin is death. But the end of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the people who are hearing that have heard this entire thing. And so when Paul gets to chapter 8, and he explodes on them with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's good and glorious news that is coming out to them. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set them free from the law of sin and death. Now, in the book of Romans, Paul uses the word law in quite a few different ways. Sometimes it's the Mosaic law that God gave to Moses. Sometimes it means a governing authority or power. And in this case, we're talking about the governing authority and power of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the authority and power and governance of sin and death. This is what God did for us. This is the good news. This is the new life that we have been ushered into. And then Paul goes on in verses 3 and 4 to describe what that good news is. And he goes on to big, give us more words to what God did for us. So verses 3 and 4, he describes what God has done. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That is one sentence. <laughs> and into that one sentence, Paul packed about 17 enormous ideas. And I'm telling you, I got to that point and to these verses about what God did. And I looked at it, and I literally told God, God, what do I do with this? Entire books have been written on each one of these phrases. And here we are on a Sunday morning, and we don't have infinite time, and I'm not about to write a book on the incarnation up here. And um, so I said, like, God, there is a lot in here. And I felt like God said, I know. I'm like, well, that's not very useful. Um, <laughs> and I said, what do I do with that? And I felt as if God was saying, you go there. You become a people who will worship me with all your hearts, and then you open my scripture and you dig into these deep places with all your hearts as well. And no, you can't do it all on a Sunday morning, but you become a people who delights in discovering me in these places where you have to sort things out and dig in a little bit more. And I felt like he was, I'm just going to read this. 
be a people who will come and go there with me deep into what I do and who I am. Be a people who will delight in me and my works and ways, who will stand there and wonder before my scripture, or even stand there and say, God, I don't get it. He said, I delight in my little ones. This is fun for me to be discovered and explored. This is life in me and with me, and I delight in it. So we're going to go and stand there and say, God, show us yourself. Give us a taste. Give us a start. And we're going to give you time to unfold this to us. So we start off with looking at, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. And that the law weakened by the flesh, in that phrase, Paul is going back to something he said in chapter 7 of the book, where he's describing, this time it's the Mosaic law. This is the law that God gave to Moses that the Israelites were required to follow. And Paul is lamenting in chapter 7, almost going on a rant, about how the law showed and revealed sin, but it had no power to help him overcome sin. And he uses the example there of coveting. And this is what he said, and usually I read this as if Paul is not an actual human being, but I really do think Paul had a problem with coveting things. And he discovered it because of the law. Here's what he said. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, you shall not covet. Do you recognize that? It's one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. And he says, I wouldn't have known what coveting even was except the law came into my face and said, don't do this. And then he said, but sin, seizing an opportunity that the commandment gave me by defining coveting, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. And so Paul all of a sudden realized he was coveting right and left, but the law itself had no power to free him from that. And I get this dilemma. About 20 years ago, I decided to put myself on a budget. I was good with money. I wasn't in debt, I handled it well, I gave it away, I was lived within my means. I thought I was good with money until I put a budget in place and then I discovered I was bad with money. The law of my budget revealed my heart because all of a sudden I did not want anyone telling me what to do with my money. I did not want to surrender to that budget. Even though I was the one who'd put it in place, I still did not want to be told what to do. I wanted to spend what I wanted to spend, when I wanted to spend it, how I wanted to spend it, and no budget was going to tell me what to do. I literally had no idea that was in me until the law of the budget was put into place. And it revealed the sin, but it had no power to change my heart regarding how I used my money. And that's what Paul is describing here. The law shows sin, but can't do anything about it. So the law is weakened by the flesh. Uh, where? Oh, if you could go back to three and four for a second there. There we go. So what God has done with the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. And God did this by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin. Now, Paul's being really careful here to talk about the incarnation of Jesus Christ in a way that says he's fully human, but he was not sinful. So he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he did not come under the power and authority of sin. He came to deal with sin. 
and he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned this rule and power and authority that sin was having over us. Do you see what's happened? We started this passage with, there is therefore now no condemnation for us. Instead, what is condemned? Sin itself. This is what God has done for us. And God did this so that the just requirement of a law might be fulfilled in us. So all these things that we can't do, Christ did on our behalf. A commentator has said, and I love this. As he said, Christ became what we are so that we might become what Christ is. He became like us so that we might become like him, fully righteous in the eyes of God. Paul got this. After he did that rant about the law, he went into saying, the things I want to do, I can't do, and the things I don't want to do, those I do. And he ends that with saying, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the way maker who made a way for us out of darkness and sin. And he is the way maker who made a way forward to walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So this new pathway, this new way of walking is opened up for us and God is inviting us into that. And I wanted us to get some examples of what that's like to walk into that. So Kaylee, if you and your three, Cole and Lillian and Elliot, I think, are coming up. Woohoo! And I asked them to come up because after they came back from camp, Kaylee described what a camp speaker had done with them. And it's the perfect example of walking out of darkness and into light, of walking away from walking according to the flesh and walking according to light. So Kaylee, tell us what the camp speaker did for you guys. So some of you guys might know who Mark Goring is. He is, his heart is about discipleship. He's all about going out and proclaiming the gospel. And so he came to youth camp with us as our youth uh, summer camp pastor. And so he shared with us how to share our testimony in 15 seconds with somebody. And so what that might sound like is there was a time in my life when I fill in the blank, blank, blank. And then I met Jesus and now I blank, blank. So what we get to do is we get to proclaim the gospel in that there was a time in my life when I was struggling with this thing then I encountered the love of Jesus of what he's done on the cross for me for that thing. And now I get to walk in this new life with Jesus. So some of our students are going to share their, their testimonies in 15 seconds. This is Lillian. Everyone say your name and then share your testimony. Okay. Hi, guys. So there was a time in my life um, when there was an empty spot in my heart. And being, I was probably like 9, 10 around that age, being that age, I didn't know what to fill it with, so I filled it with things, and um, it got to the point where I started taking things that weren't rightfully mine, and then I met Jesus and accepted him into my heart as Christ and Savior, and he filled that empty spot in my heart with something that's not temporary, and it's infinitely fulfilling, and now I am a totally different person and get to walk with Christ on that journey, so good stuff. <laughs> 
Um, hello, my name is Maggie. Um, so there was a time in my life where I was just filled with a lot of fear, anxiety, never really knowing my true love or worth. Um, so I came to know Jesus, and he just totally came and took that fear and anxiety away. He filled me with the Holy Spirit and his love and joy, and so just walking in that now. What's up, brothers and sisters in Christ? I'm Cole. This guy knows it. So there was a time in my life where I was addicted to following the flesh instead of following the spirit. And I was lost. I was lost. I was depressed. I was sad. But God in his loving kindness died for me while I was still a sinner. And then I started to trust in him. And now his joy and his happiness and his fruit is my fuel for life. And now I can pursue righteousness without sin blocking the way. And so each of us have a story like this, is that right? Each of us were trapped in some sort of darkness that we were living in. And then we've all come to experience and know Jesus and what he's done on the cross for us. So he literally put to death each of these things these students were describing upon his body, died on the cross for us so that we may live new life with him free of the shame and the guilt and the punishment of what our sin deserves. Isn't that good news? And so what Mark taught us is in conversations with people, if you're talking to somebody and they say, oh man, I'm really feeling anxious, you might say, there was a time in my life when I felt really anxious, and then I met Jesus, and now I live in peace, or something like that, to engage it and just slide in the gospel, the story of, of God in your life that you might be able to share with them. So it's an awesome tool, and it's so powerful, and it's been really fun. Is that right? Yeah. What is yours? Yeah, I mean, there was a time in my life when I was full of anger. I mean, I would go in my room and close the door and I would pound my bed because I was so full of anger. And then I met Jesus and literally it's like, I have not experienced anger like that. There wasn't a moment where it was like the anger was gone, but it was like I gave my life to Jesus. I encountered him and I mean, I literally have not done that or felt that way since, and that has been such a joy, so. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys, so much. Let's go on to verses five through nine, and we're gonna read those together, and as we read, remember what we said, because you're gonna see it in this passage. All those stories we just heard are the working out of what's embedded in here. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It cannot, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
even if you don't feel it or sense it, he's talking about genuine fact. As much a fact as if he's saying, you are an oxygen breather who lives on land. You do not dwell in the ocean and are surrounded by water. Whether you recognize you're breathing oxygen or not, it's the truth and the fact about you. So the truth and the fact that if you have come out of the death that you were in into new life in Christ, you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit, since the spirit of God dwells in you. And there's a back and forth in there, and I wanted you to see it more clearly, again, remembering this. So I divided this passage into two columns. It's exactly the same words. It's just split back and forth between your old life and your new life. And I want you to see it in these two columns and then hear it again. If we could switch to that next slide there. So I'm going to read it again. And I want you to hear, there was a time when I was, but now I am. There is a time when I was, but now I am. For those who live according to their flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. We heard kinds of death in these stories, anger, fear, darkness. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. A freedom from fear, a freedom from anger, a freedom from sin. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. And those who are in the flesh can't please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit since the Spirit of God dwells in you. So I want to ask you this morning... What's your one time I was, but now I am story? You probably have a big one of, but once I was, and you could describe it, and then you met Jesus, and then there's a, but now I am. And you may not have that story, and if not, this is a great morning to get one like that. Or you may have that story, and you think, wow, I have that one, but recently I'm not sure what my stories are. Is there a way you can say five years ago I was, but then God moved and worked in me and the Holy Spirit was part of my life and now I am? Or before in this kind of situation I once was, but now because of God, I now am when I'm in this kind of situation. We have a lot more time to spend in Romans 8 over these next weeks, and I would encourage you to start asking God to bring those stories to life in you so that you have at your fingertips a whole collection of what I once was, but now I am. And you have ways of saying, God, you are gracious to me. You made a way for me. You brought light into my darkness. You brought me into a new place. You opened up the life of your spirit. You freed me from condemnation. I once was, but now I am. And I would even encourage you to take those handouts of Romans 8 home with you. Leave it in the car. Let it soak into you over this next month as we are in this passage and we see what this new life in the Spirit is all about. I really have the sense that God wants to speak to us through these words. 
but he's saying, I want to open all my channels in order to communicate and live and work. And one of my core channels is that my spirit brings my words to life in you. That's one of the core ways we experience this new life in the spirit. So I bless you with the experience of I once was, but now I am. I once was, and I met the way maker, and now I am. Brock.